spiritual renewal. Literally, revivals of, among countries and, and large people groups have come about because of the words that have been shared through this letter that Paul wrote so long ago. Let me give you a couple of examples. One summer day in the year A.D. 386, so that's 386 years after the birth of Jesus, Augustine, a professor of rhetoric at Milan, sat weeping in the garden of his friend Alipus, having fled the prayers of his godly mother, Monica. He had come under the influence of Bishop Andros and his ministry in Milan. As he sat in the garden that day, almost persuaded to break with his old life of sin, he heard the voices of children at play. He thought he heard the words, Take up and read. Take up and read. Receiving this as a voice from God, he took up the scroll which lay at his friend's side and let his eyes rest on the words from Romans chapter 13. Not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Nor further would I read, he tells us, nor needed I than instantly at the end of this sentence by a light, as it were, of serenity infused into my heart, all the darkness of doubt vanished away. Wouldn't that be a glorious experience? All the darkness of doubt just vanished away. I think sometimes we come into this place and our aim is too low. What do I mean by that? I think too often we come into here with our problems, our circumstances, our situations, and we have a pretty strong expectation that we're, we're probably going to like the music and the preaching may be okay if it doesn't go too long, and then we're going to check out of here and have to get right back to things as they were. That's aiming too low. Aiming higher, aiming where God would have us to, is to walk into this place and say, I cast every care upon you. I lay all of my burdens at your feet and I walk out of here with all the darkness of doubt vanished away. That's aiming higher. That's aiming higher. And He wants to do that in every one of our lives. Brother Dan, one of the reasons I love to do what I have the opportunity to do at Blessing is because of this. Over and over again, I get to walk into dark places, dark places of people's lives, and I get to watch. It happened just the other night, 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm amazed how many people just want to talk to somebody at 2 o'clock in the morning. But someone did. And I went to that room and was talking with that individual. And I picked up pretty quickly that this was a person who knew the hymns of the church. And I asked this person, do you know this hymn? And, we, and they acknowledged that they did. And I said, would you like to sing it? And we began to sing it. Now, this was a person who just a few minutes before had communicated with me, I'm so frightened. Tomorrow, I have to go take a test, and it's going to reveal where the, what stage the cancer is at. And the words of that person to me when I first walked in was, it's going to let me know if there's any reason to keep going or if I'm pretty well done. It's the end of the road. That was the dark place they were at. And we began to sing this hymn together. And the darkness vanished away. 
It really did. I saw the countenance of that person change. I, I felt their grip on my hand tighten. And I heard their words change from, I don't know where this is going to lead me. I don't know what this is going to be to, I have a hope. And no matter what tomorrow brings, it's okay. God is faithful. He can be trusted. They moved up, you see, to a higher plane. And that's worth everything. And Romans, in the life of Augustine, had the power to do that. Let me give you another one, maybe just because it happened on my birthday. Well, a few hundred years before my birthday, but on the same day. Under the date of May the 24th, 1738, John Wesley notes in his journal, In the evening I went very unwillingly. Don't miss that. You ever went unwillingly to a church service or to a meeting? In the evening I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street where one was reading Luther's preface to the epistle to the Romans. Now remember it's Luther who has, has seen the power of Romans and declared it to be so, so, and so much so that he decided to write his own introduction and to say, I, I want people to know what this means to me. And it got collected and, and, and then it winds up in the hands of of John Wesley, and, he, and, and he's just hearing. He's not, they're not even reading Roman, Romans itself. They're reading the introduction that Luther has written. He says, about a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ and Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given to me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. And that was the moment that we now mark in history as the beginning of the evangelical revival of the 18th century right there. And you can actually go to that spot at Aldersgate and see where it took place. What happened to Augustine? What, what happened to Luther and what happened to Wesley was nothing short of world changing. It turned the tide of Western civilization. You can literally look back in history and see how the influence of these three men, because of what God spoke into their life through the words that we have in our Bibles. Folks, we don't even have to go out and hunt this and dig it up. We've all got copies of it. It's stuck in the pews. It's been here for 2,000 years. And we have it. We have it. Take your, take your Bibles, open them up. If you've got one here, if you don't, grab one out of the pew in front of you there. I want us just to look at a couple of verses here. My hope is that I can uh, whet your appetite enough for the book of Romans that you would, you would dare to do some crazy things. One might be like actually go out and read the book of Romans. That would be wonderful. You would not believe how that will prepare you for these messages ahead. Uh, another one would be that you might look at it with fresh eyes. That you might, before you just read it for the sake of reading it, you might say, Lord, uh, what would you say to me through this, through these words? You've, it, 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 it seems pretty clear that you've really impacted or changed the lives of other people, but I'm not them and they're not me. What would you say to me? And would you dare to believe that he just might do such a work in your heart and life that somebody might be standing here a hundred years from now if the Lord tarries and say, and that was the day that they read that passage from Romans and God did a work in their life and look what has changed in our world because of their influence and because of their life. What a story that would be. And it could take place right here. Romans chapter 1, 
beginning at verse 16. Some of these words, some of you, who, if you have a church background, you've heard a lot of these words a long time. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Look at verse 20. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Look over at Romans chapter 7. We're just kind of getting a little bit of a survey here of a flavor of what it is Paul is trying to to declare here. There's so much here. But look at Romans chapter 7, verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except for the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, You shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Flip on over to chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 22 Romans chapter 9, verse 22. What if God, wanting to show His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath, He's speaking about us, the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that He might make known the riches of His glory on the vessels of mercy which He had prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom He called, not only the Jews, only, but also the Gentiles. Think about that. He, this promise is, is that he has prepared beforehand. You, got, you want to know what God's will is for you? You want to know what God's intention for you is? That you would display his glory in your life. That whatever trials you face, whatever you might go through, whatever struggle you might have, whatever battle you have to deal with, that in the midst of that, a world would be able to look at you and say, I see the glory of God in that person because an ordinary person doesn't handle the situation that way. Amen. An ordinary person doesn't have that kind of hope. An ordinary person doesn't believe that that kind of victory is possible. An ordinary person looks at this situation and just sees doom and gloom and woe is me. Amen. Anybody familiar with Eeyore? Winnie the Pooh? Oh. But Paul sees something Different, And he wants to declare it, and he will declare it 
in the, in, in the greatest and deepest terms that we have in all of Scripture. We could go on and on throughout the book and display this. But here's where I want us to land this morning for just a few minutes. If there's one topic that Paul wants to make sure he addresses and gets clear throughout the book of Romans, there's so much here, and we'll hear it, and I have every confidence that as we move on through the summer, uh, Pastor BJ will, will make this so beautiful and plain and great and better than I ever could. And I praise the Lord for what God is doing uh, through him and his preaching. I've told him several times, I, just, I see the Lord just growing him and moving him into uh, the, the preaching realm of, in such a new level. And it just thrills my heart because I know I'm going to get to sit under it. So uh, I'm grateful for that. Uh, but uh, uh, he's wanting me to move on and get away from him. But anyway, that's his modesty there. But here's the thing that I see, and I, I believe that Paul would have us to understand more than anything else. There is no other way to heaven except through Jesus. Now, in some way, and I, and I told Pastor BJ this this morning, I said, sometimes I, I get conflicted because I feel the Lord just really tries to impress on me, just tell them the most basic truth you know. And I wonder about that sometimes because I think, well, Lord, they, these people already know that. They already know that. Why do they, why do they need to hear that again? Why, why would I need to? You know, you know what I'm coming to learn, and maybe it's just something with, in, my, in my more advanced years now, I'm, uh, maybe I'm beginning to see it a little more clearly. Uh, we face all kinds of things that cause us to question and doubt and wonder. Satan loves to just find ways to get into our lives and try to trip us up. He knows our weaknesses. There, there, there are things that come against us in life. And, 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 and even at our very best, sometimes we, we find ourselves... Maybe, maybe you're, uh, somebody told me, I'm, I'm only at my most honest when I'm looking in my bathroom mirror. I don't, I don't know exactly what all they meant by that, but maybe you do. Uh, but, you know, they looking into their own eyes... They can only see themselves and evaluate the truth of who they really are. And, and maybe even, boy, I hope nobody else sees. <laughs> but there is one that sees. And, and, and sometimes the most, the, the most essential truth that I need to be reminded of as, as one of your pastors here, as a minister of the gospel myself, as, as someone who has strived to put my faith and trust in Jesus for a long time, one of the most central truths that I need to be reminded of is that there is a way to heaven, and it is only through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Uh, uh, if you were here last Sunday night, and what a glorious time it was, uh, we, we just, uh, I think we were just so fortunate to be at a place and time when God said, I'm just going to go down and stir some waters, you know, like the angel would come and stir the waters years ago. Uh, but what a glorious time, and I just really believe that one of the things that God was trying to remind me of in that night, and uh, there were great testimonies Sunday night, some wonderful confessions that needed to be made. Boy, you know, we, as a holy people, we, we, tend, to, we tend to get uh, wrenched up and out of shape on that deal and everything, you know, of, oh, we're sanctified and holy. We don't, folks, uh, we may be sanctified but we're not free from the effects of sin and the power of sin in our life. Heaven is coming one of these days, and, and we will be there. But until then, let's be real before ourselves and before God and before the world. We need Him, 
And there are times when we need to be able to cry out to God and say, Lord, here I am. You know me. And I'm sorry. Forgive me. Help me. I want to move forward. I want to be healed. I want to be restored. And he's faithful with that. But this great question appears here and it has weighed on believers and unbelievers alike through the centuries. Is there really only one way to heaven? Would, would a righteous and holy and loving God allow an unbeliever to go to hell? Is Jesus really the only way to eternal life in heaven? One of the questions I'm, I'm, I'm really pressing on our uh, young people in the youth group right now is we're, now that we're after Easter, we've been coming back and looking at uh, some material that builds the case for Easter. And it's, and it's simply this. Do you really believe that Jesus literally died and he literally rose from the grave? Because I've, I've lived 40 years now and I've never seen that happen. Well, I've come close. I think at the hospital there, I think I've come pretty close. But I don't know that I've ever been in a, I know I haven't been in a cemetery somewhere and heard a rattling and, and, you know, and somebody came up, shook the dirt off and said, Hi there. Well, I, mean, you know, I wouldn't stick around long for one thing, probably, but, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. So, so what I take of, of the resurrection of Jesus, I take by faith. But ask yourself, do you really believe that? And the next question is this, if you really, can you defend that? Could you have a conversation with somebody on the street and if they came up to you and said, do you really, are you kidding me? Do you really believe that? That he was literally dead and that he literally rose up out of the grave? Folks, that's what we're called to. And it's the central truth of our faith. And the other one is like to it, that there is no other way to heaven. There is no other name given whereby men must be saved but the name of Jesus. Do you believe this? Do we believe it and can we defend it? Well, if you're struggling just a little bit on any of that, if there's any of you out there who I hope he doesn't see, but I'm really not so sure, I, that's okay. You're in a great place, and you're, and you're in for a great treat because going through the book of Romans will help you so, so much. John, in chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Acts chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, Luke writes, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Praise God for His truth today. Let me give you four factors real quickly to keep in mind that when we think about, is Jesus really the only way? First of all, there's the revelation factor. All men and women have some light. Look at Romans chapter 1. If you're stuck over there in chapter 9, go back to chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Beginning at verse 18. We read a little bit of this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth of in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts 
were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible animal and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. In other words, if you were to travel to countries around the world where it would appear that they have a totally different religion, that they're worshiping trees and rocks and hills and animals and all those things, the Bible declares that these are, these are just folks who at once upon a time, they, they knew that there was a higher power, they knew there was a God, they knew there was a creator, but because they did not want to receive the truth, they've exchanged it and adopted other things that they want to believe in. Well, God is a tree, God is a river, God is the wind, God is a storm, God is... And they've, they've exchanged that, but, but they've had some light to say, we know that it's not just us. We know that there is a power greater than us in operation. They've never read a Bible, they've never heard the name Jesus, but they know that there is a higher power. There is one who is over all of creation. So they have this witness of of, of the things which can be naturally seen, of, of creation. It's an outward and objective witness. Uh, Psalm 19 verse 1 says, the psalmist writes, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. I love uh, being out in uh, beautiful scenery. Those of you who are getting to travel out to Colorado and sending all these pictures back, I want to go, but I'm at least thankful that you're going and I'm getting the pictures, Okay. Uh, because I just, it just amazes me, and I think, Lord, look what you have created. How could we ever think that that was just some big explosion? I mean, <laughs> how could we ever even let our minds go to thinking that God did not have his hand upon creating such beautiful things that we see around us? And Paul would declare that even in our conscience, there is this inward witness that tells us deep down you know there must be a God. In Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts excusing or else ex accusing or else excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. I have met some peculiar people in my life and one of them is, uh, is a person who on one hand would tell me they had no belief in God whatsoever. They didn't think there was any truth to it. There's no God. There's no nothing. We just, we're, we're just creatures here born on the earth. We, we climbed up out of a pond millions of years ago and we're and we're walking the earth and we die and that's it. And that was the totality of their, their belief. But on the other hand, when I began to ask them, well, well, let me tell you then, do you have any problem with, with me walking up and just killing another human being? I mean, if, we're, if we just grew out of a pond and we're just here and we live, die, there's no, what would be the big deal if I just went up and, you know, lopped somebody's head off? I don't know. What do you, well, you know, they just immediately said to me, well, you know that's not right. And I said, well, how do you know that's not right? What would tell you that's not right if, if all we are is just mindless beings walking around and there something, in, something is declaring to you that it's just not right to take another life? What would that be if it's not someone who has created life and, and says, I, this is my creation, I love this, this is valuable, this is precious. 
And the conversation quickly ended. But anyway, you know, it was a, uh, it was a good start, hopefully. We were uh, headed in the right direction, and uh, maybe one of these days I'll run into him again. But, you know, we, so the, the reality is that even, even if we haven't read every page of this book, God has been faithful to put a witness into our lives. In creation itself, in, in, uh, as, as one guy said, I, I know it in my knower. I don't have, do you all have a knower? Uh, can't, really, can't really put it in a box, but it's there, right? You know it in your knower. Uh, uh, we, we have that. I watch it in, in our children. Before we ever have a chance to really set them down and say, now here's all the family rules and here's all the laws of man and here's how you do all this and everything. It's amazing to me how very quickly they can go to do something that they know they shouldn't do and almost instantly they... I'm like nine months old. Where'd that come from? You know, they hadn't had a class on mom wants you to do this and don't do that or whatever. But they just knew. I know this is crossing a line. They just knew. The revelation factor. God has revealed and made it known. The refusal factor. Here's, here's one of the realities. And then we see this. And, and boy, if you've got somebody you're trying to reach out to and witness to, this is right where you live. Light refused increases darkness. If we have some truth, but we refuse to accept that truth that we have, we have a tendency just to get more calloused and hard and grow darker. Uh, if we do not believe in or trust in God when He gives us at least a, a little bit of light, speaks to our heart through creation or through our conscience, then we will begin to regress and lose even the light we have. In the Bible, the opposite of truth is sin, not error. Not making a mistake. The, the error is the baggage that comes along with sin. It's what follows along with it. We, we refuse truth because of the sin that's in our hearts. And we need God to do something about that. When we choose our sin rather than the love of God, the baggage that comes with that sin is delusion. It's why, if you know someone who's been living in sin for a long time, it's very hard to even explain, this is white and that's black. They've lived so long believing a lie. They've lived so long buying into a delusion that Satan has brought up on them, and that God has, you know, we, we say this a lot around here, God's a gentleman, He's not going to force His way on you. And if you want to travel down a wrong road... He loves you, but He's not going to hogtie you and keep you from going. You have a choice. You have a choice to make. But when we live a life of sin, there is baggage that comes along with it. And that baggage is a delusion. And that, that baggage is it's harder and harder to know the truth. I've had conversations with individuals who I, I would say they're probably a compulsive liar and you can see it work itself out in their life. They don't even know what they told, told you yesterday, so they're just running in circles. They can't even keep up. I don't, know what, I don't know what the last lie was I told. I'm trying to tell you one now to make up for that one. I can't remember what that one was. I had another one the week before that. You know, and it's just a delusion. They're just wrapped up in it all. In Thessalonians chapter 2, we read, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe 
the lie that they, they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Notice, it isn't God that's the first mover here. It's the fact that we do not believe. And in our unbelief comes all of these other consequences. We find ourselves eventually taking pleasure in unrighteousness, as Paul writes. In Mark chapter 4, verse 25, For whoever has, to him more will be given, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So maybe you're the, the wisest Bible scholar in the room. Maybe you, you just found out how to spell Holy Bible. Wherever you're at on the journey, be grateful for the life that you have and strive to get more. Don't squander what you have. Strive to know Him better. Strive to understand Him more and seek Him more. Here's another truth. Light obeyed increases light. God gives us truth. And when we believe that truth, God will give us more truth. I've, I've thought this myself for a long time. And now I hear myself telling others a lot. Uh, sometimes we pray... And ask God to give us wisdom, guidance, counsel when we're not obeying what He's already given us. Wisdom, guidance, counsel. Lord, if you would just tell me what I need to do. And so often I think He's saying, boy, I'm really trying. It's been in that book for 2,000 years. I don't know how much longer it's going to take till you open it and read it and see that it's there. Light obeyed, though, increases light. God speaks to us through creation and conscience, and we respond to God. When we say, I, I want to know you and I need to know you, He promises that He will be found. When we seek Him with all of our hearts, He will be found. An Ethiopian eunuch is reading the Word and not fully understanding what he's reading, and God sends along one to say, do you know what you're reading? And then he's baptized and we're off to the races. But he was, he was doing what he knew to be best with what he had. The reason we as believers don't understand the Bible any more than we do is because we have not been living up to the light that God has already been giving us. Why should God show us more in His Word or speak to us from the heavens until we are obeying what we already know? Parents, once again, and you know this works itself into about every message I preach these days, you know what this is like. You've looked into the eyes of your child and they're wanting more responsibility, wanting you to trust them more, wanting you to let them stay out later, go further, whatever. And you have this thought in the back of your mind, you already broke curfew last week. You didn't do what I said the day before that. You know, why, why would I want to trust you more? Do you not realize how preposterous that question even is? Why would I give more to you if you're not being responsible with what you already have? Yeah, I know, that, that one hurt. Hang on. You know. Here's a good truth. Hang on. If you want to understand the part of the Bible you don't understand, begin to obey the part you do understand, and you'll begin to understand what you didn't understand. Did you get that? One more time. If you want to understand the part of the Bible you don't understand... Begin to obey the part you do understand, and you'll begin to understand the part you didn't understand. That's true. I don't know if it processed, but it's true. You can count on it. John chapter 7, 
He says, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but it is from he who sent me. If anyone wills to do the will of the Father, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Jesus' desire was to be obedient. You want to be like Christ? Be obedient. Be obedient to the Father. Be obedient to what He says. Whatever you find and read in Scripture and that you can understand, follow it. Put it into practice. Believe it. Finally, God will judge us by the light we have rejected. God will judge us by the light we have rejected. Look at Romans chapter 2, verse 5. I want you to see this. This one's pretty important. Romans chapter 2, verse 5. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, that means that you're not, you're not willing to confess, you're not willing to admit, you're not willing to surrender. In accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. And in Romans chapter 2 verse 11 for there is no partiality with God. For as many as have sinned without law will also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. Now that's not popular. I'm not going to get any awards. Dan, Brother Dan probably doesn't have another certificate for that one. But it's true. And we need to hear it and we need to know it because we are held to an account. The question is not, what will God do with those who have never heard the gospel of Jesus, but what will God do with those of us who have heard the gospel and refuse to obey it? Many of us have far more light than we will ever be able to live out in our lives, simply because we were born in the most evangelized and churched country on the planet. And even more so if we were fortunate to have parents or a caring Christian that brought us to church and poured the gospel into us and taught us the word of God. We have more light than most of the world. God will hold accountable more so those who have heard the gospel and refuse the truth than those who have not heard. Luke chapter 12, verse 48, But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with only a few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. Matthew chapter 11, verses 23 and 24, And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Folks, we are a fortunate people. Be encouraged because we have been given so much light. If, if there's a challenge for us today, it's simply this. Are you neglecting the light that God's given you? Are you neglecting the truth of the gospel that you know? I, I will tell you this, when I, when I set out on this journey to, to say yes to God and to obey Him and to, and to be a minister of the gospel and all the places that has led me, I would have told you the Lord will have to do a miracle in my life because He's right now picked the most ignorant, the most ill-equipped, put all the phrases in there you want to. 
I just, I just knew that, God, if I'm about to embarrass you if you don't do something great through me. I'm about to demonstrate to the world what a terrible choice you have made if you don't perform a miracle through me. And praise His name, He has reminded me over and over again, I don't need you to be super wise and smart. I knew before I ever called you, you didn't qualify there. I just need you to take this simple message of the gospel. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. He bathed my heart in love and wrote my name above. And just a little talk with Jesus makes me whole. What are you doing with the light you have? What are you doing with what you know? Hey, guess what? You can jump in with Backyard Bible Clubs and take it to the community. You can tell somebody, you can share it with somebody, you can go to work tomorrow, you can be wherever you are. I've learned that. I, I've learned some things. You know, I went to school and I learned some things, but I, what I've discovered is that most people don't care about what I learned in those textbooks. They want to know what I learned out of the book. There's places that it's useful and I'm glad and it's helpful and I need that and I, I'm not trying to put that down, but I'm just saying that when it comes right down to it, people need hope and they need life. They need to know there's a way and there is a truth that can be held to. And we have that truth. There is only one way to heaven. It is through Jesus Christ. And Paul declares it so and he would desire that you and I not only know it, but that we share it with a lost and dying world. He will absolutely give you the opportunity to share it this week if you'll look for it. Would you stand with me this morning? We're a fortunate people. We are a fortunate people to have what we have and to know what we know of the things of God. But we are a people to be very pitied if we're not doing something with it. If we're not going out into a lost and dying world. How terrible would it be for someone to take all the courses to become a licensed EMT and then never get in an ambulance, never answer a call, never save a single person, never... never clean up a cut, never fix a wound, never do anything for anybody, we would say, what a waste. What a waste. What are you doing with the light that you have? What are you doing with what you know? Are you taking full advantage and desiring more light from God? Or are you neglecting the light that God has given you and wondering why you don't have more? He's here for each and every one of us Today, I just want us to pray this morning, and uh, you know what God has been impressing upon your heart. You know how He's been applying this message to you, or how He might apply it to your life throughout this day. Just be obedient. Just be obedient to the light that you have, and watch what He will do in your life. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you so much. For a wonderful day, a wonderful time spent in your house. Thank you for your word. Lord, uh, truth provides a way. It's, it sometimes is not easy to hear, but we need it. And we see the value in it. And we thank you for those who have been faithful down through the years to put pen to paper and to preserve. Thank you for, for your word that still stands as truth today, as dark and as clouded as our world seems to be at times Lord, that we lift our leaders to you, that, uh, that they would open your word and see the truth that is found there and apply it. 
as they govern our lives. We pray that you would help us as leaders ourselves in our, in our homes, in our workplaces, that we would open your word and we would see the light that is given there and we would take the light that you've given us and apply it to our lives. Lord, that you might see in us a people who you can pour more light into, more truth into, so that a lost and dying world comes to know you as Savior and Lord. May we give our lives to populating heaven. I pray, God, that you would bless uh, the efforts that we are making this week. We believe, Lord, that it's, it's not just our idea that we're asking you to bless. We believe that you've birthed it into our hearts, that you've, you've shoved us outside these walls and said, get out there where people are hurting and lost and need to hear from me. Help us all to be employed in that great work so that souls will come to know you as Savior and Lord. Thank you for this time of worship. Thank you that we can celebrate all that you are in our lives. If we're challenged this morning, Lord, to do more, may we just respond in obedience to you this week, Lord. And, and whatever you have us doing, may we do it to the best of our abilities for your glory and your glory alone. May Jesus ever be praised in our lives, we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you as you go today.